You're listening to The Athletic Mind with your host, Taylor Cook and Lauren Williams. Welcome back to another episode of The Athletic Mind, where we dig deep and shed light on the mental side of sports for athletes and coaches by having open conversations about mental health, mindset, and performance. Welcome back to The Athletic Mind, everybody. I am back after a week off. I needed to deal with a little bit of personal family stuff, Uh, but last week... You all got a a great preview of a deep dive episode with Lauren into a very specific topic. Lou, great job. I know I've already told you that, but it was great to listen to and like have no planning involvement at all. Like to hear that was perfect for me anyway. Um, Love (laughs) the branch off of that though. Newfound respect for you and editing podcasts, because if I had to listen to myself say, um, one more time and cut it out of the actual screen thing I was gonna lose my mind I never want to hear myself say um ever again (laughs) I feel your pain 100% I am very similar but instead of um I usually tend to use the word like a lot and Mm -hmm. I've noticed that a lot recently so I'm trying to be a bit more conscientious of my word choices while recording so hold me hold me to it feedback it's feedback listening to yourself talk is just feedback it's not that uncomfortable although you know when you listen to something (laughs) so many times that it just starts to sound weird after a while like that's here we go here's me saying like but that is quite the worst thing ever you just say it over and over and over and over and over again you just think oh my god this is awful yeah nah, but here I go I've taken us off track get back get us back on track <laughs> well no it's all good you know uh love the layout love the depth that you went into uh on the new cutting edge of athletic performance which is obviously the mental side and I could and I could have gone off on a tangent with with where you were going with all that and Anyway, you did an amazing job. Loved it. We can we can definitely do a, a duo episode on one of those eventually in the future. And if I get distracted, it's because Charlie, my puppy, is dragging my attention away. He's um, being a puppy. <laughs> yes, yes. But it's every time I sit down here, and it's always at like 4.35-ish, he gets so restless, and he just wants to be on top of me and annoy me, and I love him to pieces, but it's really hard to concentrate. isn't it charlie um but uh i did say that you all got the chance to preview an episode last week and that is because we have actually decided that we are going to be providing those types of episodes once a month to our new premium listeners so everyone will have access to the first 10 or 15 minutes of those episodes if they are not premium listeners and uh, on top of that, we are also going to work to provide a monthly Q&A episode. So if you are a Spotify user, please remember to answer the polls that we have for each episode. So all you have to do is just go into the episode data and scroll down to the bottom and you will see Q, Q&A uh, options and polls there. So if you just provide some answers or topics for us that we can add to our list of uh current topics to discuss 
then we can obviously work together on that to put something together for uh you know, upcoming episodes and work on answering those questions for you during those, during those monthly Q and a episodes. But, uh, so premium subscribers to our podcast, this is only going to be two 99 a month. So, um, for those that don't know much about podcasting, a lot of work, a lot of work. Um, and basically, you know, any, any sort of money that comes in is just going to be going back into the podcast to help us promote it and, and really work on that aspect. So we can work on growing our, our listener base and our reach. So as a premium listener, not only are you going to get exclusive access to those, um, you know, the extra episode of the Q and a and the deep dive episode, but you will also receive a 10% discount on a single coaching session with either Lauren or myself. So that way, if you have not ever done any sort of coaching, you can kind of get your foot in the door and get a little bit of a better understanding as to what that actually entails. And the one-on-one stuff is by far my absolute favorite because we get to go so in depth with our athletes and really see the growth over time when we're working with them. So Lou thoughts, um, echo your sentiments on the one-on-one stuff, uh, in any kind of group coaching that we do, some of the best reviews that we get are from the one-on-one things that we're able to do within that group, because you're able to build relationships with people and we're human beings. We're all about building relationships. Um, but it's also the most impactful in terms of you know, really getting to dive deep into those things that are are roadblocking you or coming up in your experience that aren't helping you push forward. And um, being in the high performance world, we're all about, you know, continuing to drive forward, continuing to grow. Um, and it's totally normal that there's things that come up that inhibit you from being able to do that at your best. Um, so yeah, if if it's something that interests you and you know, even if it's not in the cards for you right now, although, you know, if you're buying coffee from somewhere, you know, once a week or every month, like that's $2.99 is less than a Starbucks grande. So that's all I'm going to throw out. Um, But even if that's not something that you're willing to commit to quite yet, you'll still get a preview of that uh, shorter episode. But I think I would encourage to invest the $3 in yourself. And it's not even like it's $3 a week, like it's three a month, right? Like that's a coffee, a coffee a month. Invest in yourself, athletes, invest in yourself. Coffee (laughs) will help you for 20 minutes. This might help you. I'm not, I'm not going to be, you know, too full of myself, but it could potentially help you for the rest of your life. So. Ding, 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 ding. The power of coaching. (laughs) Power of coaching, indeed. Mm -hmm. So. Now that we've gotten all of the uh, the to-do list here out of the way, on to a hot topic right now, and that is performance pressure. And we talk about performance pressure for athletes all the time. And the question is always, how can I perform at my best during critical moments. And this is especially highlighted at this time of the year when many teams are heading into playoffs. And obviously I'm talking from a hockey standpoint, 
Um, but this is applicable to anybody in any sport that's entering playoffs now in the future, whenever you get around to listening to this. Right. But even as I say, you know, the, the thought of making every single game count that invokes a lot of feelings for me. It, yeah. it pulls me back to those moments when I was performing in pressure situations, or at least what I deem to be pressure situations and the emotions that come along with that. And for me, that was like a lot of butterflies in my stomach and a little bit of anxiety kind of rolling there. And I mean, you can probably see it on my face right now, but it's, <laughs> it's a, uh, it's an interesting experience and it's one that I've been through one that you've definitely been through. And to anybody who is listening to this podcast right now, you've hundred percent experienced this before, whether that's in your sport or in just life in general, and chances are you're going to experience it again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I have just so many thoughts going on in my mind because of let's call it my extensive experience with um, maybe succumbing to the pressure to perform. Um, and I got into a, Oh, there it is with the, um, I got into a debate with our coaches uh, this season talking about going into playoffs specifically and with the young group, how do you help that young group prepare for playoffs? Because there's more pressure and my perspective is always let's try to take away the external stuff and looking at playoffs as um, an added external pressure to perform. Let's just treat it like any other game. That's where my mind comes in. And the reason for that is based off the fact that, again, we had 18 freshmen. This whole season was pressure for them to perform because they're brand new at it. And that's just another common, I guess, space in your life as an athlete where you're going to feel more of that pressure. But the reality is, is that's coming from yourself. If you're in that situation and you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself to perform, well, that's a tough place to be in. I remember being there. Um, as I said, I succumbed to it a lot. It did not elevate my performance. It put me right into the mindset of I have to do well or else. And it robbed me of my ability to be curious about any mistakes that I was making or to ask for help or to even recognize when I was doing things well. Because if I did one thing wrong, the whole thing was collapsing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's really worth noting that performance pressure does not only affect elite level athletes. I think a lot of people believe that to be true and, and maybe to a certain extent they are at a, a higher risk of it, certainly because there's a lot more speculation around the sport. They're at a high level. There's people with eyes on them at all times and they are expected and quite literally paid to be performing at high levels, right? We can argue that to a certain extent. However, Everybody experiences this, whether you are a high school athlete, a university athlete, professional Olympic does not matter. You are going to be susceptible to performance pressure. And, you know, for some people, it might show up as a bit more frequent in the sense that, okay, 
Maybe they find that they are a practice player. They feel really good when they are practicing, they're performing well, but the second that it comes to a like quote real competition, that's when they kind of hit the brakes and choke, right? Versus other folks who show up, I'm going to say specifically in relation to a certain type of competition. So those high stakes competitions, playoff championship, international stage, when there's a lot of internal but external pressure as well in the sense of Mm -hmm. everybody on the team has the same goal. We all want to go and do our best and work towards that. But the internal pressure comes in where we're saying, if I fail, if I don't do good, I'm letting everybody else down. Yeah. I'm pondering, like, specifically, how can we talk about where it comes from, right? Where specifically does the pressure to perform come from? And I think this aids in your argument that it, it's not just at the highest levels of sport. It's not just Olympians who are on TV or professional athletes who are getting paid millions of dollars. It's That's not what it's about, although it's part of it. But a lot of pressure to perform comes from having a result that, that we think we need to achieve. So whether that's a win or a championship or playing in every game or getting a certain number of minutes or for goalies having a certain save percentage throughout your season that pressure comes from expecting yourself to need to get some kind of outcome I think what or it could even be to make your parents proud or to earn the respect of your teammates to show them that you're good enough right that was that was part of my story in college. <laughs> Holy cow. But yeah, if if we're distilling what it comes from, it's gotta come from that. Well, and I think the underlying factor of all of those things that you just listed is the external focus, focusing on yeah. the things that are not in our control. I can't control mm-hmm. what my teammate thinks of me if they respect me. I mean, they should just respect me because I'm their teammate to a certain extent, right? So mm-hmm. Like for each athlete, I would say that it's going to come back to their own personal perspective and how they are perceiving the game and also the expectations that they are putting on themselves, right? So I think those two things really work hand in hand in saying that if my expectation as a goalie is to help my team get a W in playoffs while also maintaining my desired save percentage and then I go off and have a shit game and we lose and my save percentage tanks obviously I'm looking at that as failure 100% and so to me it's the way that we as athletes are relating to the upcoming event whether it's practice a regular season game playoff game championship doesn't even matter but it's the yeah. way that you are relating to it. So, I mean, if we talk about that from a psychological standpoint, you know, when we break it down to the the bare bones of it, when we talk about all this brain science and stuff, the brain starts to view those events as life or death situations, which 
we obviously know is not the case. If we lose today, we are not going to die tomorrow. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. So if our brain is, you know, trying to predict, you know, whether this is quote safe or unsafe, we're going to succeed or fail. That plays a lot into how we are perceiving the event and what that means to us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just had a really interesting conversation with an athlete who changed a lot from one part of the season to the next. And we were talking to her about, you know, what kind of did it for her. And she said, I think I just stopped worrying so much about what was going to happen if I didn't do well to your standards. So part one of of the issue was she was so focused on how we were evaluating her all the time like we were watching her like a hawk which if you're a coach you know that you there's just way too many things going on at once you can't just focus in on one person like that Tara's famous for saying the only people that watch you that intently are your parents that's that's really it because they're the ones who love you and adore you and they're proud of you and they want the best for you everybody else in the stands the parents are doing the same thing with their own kid your coaches, they're trying to run a bench. They're trying to make all these decisions at once. They just don't have, nobody else has the mental energy for that because we're all so concerned with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so she said that she was able to kind of go from that mindset to one where she was just having fun and enjoying the game itself. So basically going from, I need to do well. I have to earn their respect. I have to earn this. I have to earn that to enjoy the process, <laughs> which we talk about a lot. It's a mindset shift for sure. And, mm. you know, I, I know that I always kind of come back to the book mind gym because it's one of my favorites and I'm actually working on going through it again and just like taking some little tidbit notes here and there, but I was reading the the section on performance pressure today of course and Mm -hmm. scott hamilton who is an olympic figure skater quote said under pressure you can perform 15 percent better or worse Mm -hmm. and i really enjoy this quote because pressure in and of itself is not inherently good nor inherently bad right like like we've been saying this is about your perception to the event coming up And so if you're putting all this pressure on yourself to be performing, this means that you're going to be gripping your stick tighter. You're going to have a lot of tension in your body. Your heart rate's going to to get very rapid. Your breathing speeds up. And once you have all of this unwanted tension, it negatively impacts your performance, right? But on the flip side of this coin, to a certain extent, pressure is needed to perform at optimal levels as well. And I think this is where it can get a little bit frustrating, especially for elite level athletes, because they understand that too much pressure is a bad thing, but not enough pressure is also a bad thing. So how is it that we can work on finding that balance so we can be showing up in that sweet spot in the optimal space of performance for ourselves? And part of this section of the book uh, they actually reference a, a sports psychologist, Kevin Raviza, who published a study on the experiences of athletes during their greatest moments in sports. And he found that more than 80% of 
felt no fear of failure. They were so immersed in their activity. They were quote in the zone as we like Mm -hmm. to say. And so, you know, the probability of achieving an outcome you want increases when you are willing to let go of the need to have that specific outcome. Yeah. And to kind of rewind a little bit before revisiting that, if we're talking about the things that pressure has the ability to make you feel, and this is coming back to, it's not inherently good or bad. It's how you view it. So if pressure makes you increase your heart rate, speeds up your breathing, creates some tension in your body, you can feel those things and experience them negatively. Oh, my my heart is racing. I'm so nervous. I, I can't calm myself down. I'm breathing too fast. Or all my tension is gripping my stick too hard or my shoulders are at my ears. Like All of that is negatively impacting you and, and your experience. Or you can look at those things and say, yeah, my heart rate's increasing. I'm a little nervous. I care a lot. It's just pumping blood into my body a little bit more so that I've got more oxygen in my muscles. I'm ready to go. I'm breathing a little faster. Yeah, it's doing the same thing. Let's get that oxygen in there. And yeah, I feel a little bit of tension, but I know how to keep that in the right areas because you don't want to be a wet noodle out there, right? So, you know, it's 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 all within that conversation of your perspective is so important. And um, if you're already in the, that headspace of seeing the heart rate, the tension, the breathing as a negative thing, then you're setting yourself up from a deficit already. So how do you think you would react in any situation where you know you're at a deficit already? Like you're starting a race 20 meters behind everybody else. What's the normal person going to think? Or you show up for a test unprepared. You didn't get to study at all. How are you going to, how are you going to show up for that? Is it going to be in a great headspace? Probably not. (laughs) No, no. I can think of a few times where I was in university and I showed up to a test unprepared. And let me tell you, not a nice feeling. Yeah. I think maybe one out of the few times that that happened, I just hit the proverbial fuck it button and said, no, you know, we're just going to see how this goes. I've come to every class, but I didn't study. So let's see what I retained. But again, that was not the norm. No, of course not. And it's not the norm to expect yourself to be able to do that in a performance setting. No. And and that's one thing that I do want to talk about too, right? Is like, okay, one, it's your perspective of, of the situation and also how you're relating to the way that you're feeling. And all of this always comes back to the foundation of self-awareness as an athlete. Mm -hmm. That is one of the most important skills that you are going to have in your toolbox. And because ultimately you're not going to be able to address any of these problems. If you don't even know that they fucking exist in the first place, it's the truth. It's, (laughs) it's the bold, hard truth. You're just going to have to deal with it. And it takes time to build that self-awareness up to a point where you can like, you can notice for me in, in my performance, especially going into what I would deem to be a more high pressure situation. So heading into, you know, round two of playoffs, when you 
haven't had a, a title for your team and there's a lot of pressure on the line kind of thing. Yeah, I've definitely deemed that to be a high pressure situation for myself. However, the way that I related to the way I was feeling was positive. So mm-hmm. I felt butterflies, 100%. But I know that when I feel butterflies in my stomach, that's a good thing for me. That means I'm prepared. I'm ready to go. I'm not so nervous that I'm gripping my stick too tight or I'm kind of second guessing my thoughts on reading a play as a goalie, but I'm in the zone. I'm trusting my gut and I'm able to read and react the way that I need to. And that helps me show up in a high performance standard. Whereas Mm -hmm. if I'm before a game, thinking about what the outcome of that game is going to be. How is it that I'm going to be performing? And my mind is racing on top of the tension and anxiety that I'm feeling in my body. I know that mentally I'm not prepared to be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, it's when I start to play the what if game. If I start to walk myself down that path of like, well, what if this happens? And it doesn't necessarily have to be about me, but I remember um, having, and you know, there's always that stat that people pull out of nowhere. It's not even relevant half the time because each game is different, but you know, the stat where they say, well, if this team trails after the first, their chances of winning go down by 50% or whatever. So I remember sometimes in college uh, in those big games, saying what if they score first and how are we going to react to that and even as a coach I was thinking that recently like well what happens if this and um, being able to recognize that and it's not healthy to be projecting yourself into a future you can't go into by the way unless you know someone knows how to do that I might be interested but let us know yeah um but yeah, it's it's so much around, I'm not focused on me right now. I'm not focused on what I can do. I'm focused on everything else. <laughs> and the what if game was like a big red flag for me. I'm curious for you, is that showing up the same way in your coaching as it was as an athlete? Or is it are you noticing that there's a little bit of a difference in the way that those types of situations play out in your actual experience now? The interesting thing as a coach is that it takes away the being able to physically do something about it. Mm. Cause you can't, you're standing on the bench. I can't go play the game for them. So my comfort zone has always been in being able to support people. That's why I do what I do for a living. Um, so in in some sense of the meaning, it's very different for coaching for me because I'm never worried about physically being capable of doing something. So there's no worries about a skill set there, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. But it would come up in certain areas like that question that I just said. So what if they score first? How are the girl's going to react if that happens. Um, I would go back 
the areas where we weren't doing well in the season and say, well, what if that happens in this game? So then I'm just taking, I'm transporting myself back to a pass that I can't go to. <laughs> um, but yeah, so being able to catch myself when I'm doing that, I guess I've gotten better at it. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, in some ways, it's very different as a coach, but then in others, it's, I guess, pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, on just to like kind of comment on the going back to past situations, yeah, you can't change it or anything, but you can learn from it, right? So I think that there is definitely value in in revisiting some of those things to a certain extent, so long as you're not like hyper-focused on those those situations, obviously, which I'm not concerned about you doing. Um, <laughs> but it is interesting because, yeah, it, it obviously there's there's no real physicality in, in what it is that you're able to to do in, in terms of moving the team towards that goal. But as a coach, I feel, or maybe this is how I would feel if I was behind the benches, like, how is it that I'm coaching kind of strategically in that sense, right? Like, are we playing an opponent who typically is maybe a bit better strategically than we are? Like, are they consistently doing things that we're not able to adapt to? So it becomes more of like a a coach's intellectual battle in that sense like we always hear like oh they weren't you know out of shape but they got out coached right mm-hmm. yeah um oh i just said the word really trying not to guys <laughs> one of our strengths this year was that we were very strategic you could see it in the way that our team played the team very much bought into it. So it was never on that end of things that worried me, but what did, and it's kind of funny because it relates to hockey. Now that I think about it, when I got really nervous, it would always come back to my skill set and worrying about a deficiency in my skill set. In the last game that we just played, I got asked by the head coach. Okay. So what are we doing if we're up a goal? Like, I want you to draw that out for the girls. If we have a, um if we're 30 seconds left in the game and we have a face-off in our zone I want you to start thinking about a who you want out there how you're going to draw it what face-off play we're going to do I know all these things I know all of our face-off plays I know know how it works in a d zone but as soon as she said that I go I don't I'm gonna forget (laughs) like all of a sudden it's just gonna leave my brain and part of that it comes down to a little bit of skill set belief, which I knew that I had, just like I knew I had it when I was playing. But you immediately go to, what if I get into that situation and I blank? Mm-hmm. Or what if I get into that situation, I make a fool out of myself because I misspeak or whatever, because there's so much pressure in those last 30 seconds and you got to draw it perfectly. Meanwhile, no one's really watching you draw it they just want to know where to stand and what to do (laughs) as a goalie I can't relate to that because my main focus was just save the puck that's it yeah and you're standing in the same place regardless like it doesn't matter if you're a righty or a lefty you're lining up at the dot (laughs) yeah exactly so it was I I typically tend to zone out for those things but (laughs) I will say that as a goalie especially as the game progresses 
pay attention to those things. It's going to be important at some point. So be aware. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. That's, that's definitely interesting to, to hear the, the similarities and differences switching from athletes, athletics to, to coaching. Well, and I think it's the same across all boards, right? Whether you're moving up in your job or trying something new, completely unrelated to athletics. When there's a lot of pressure, it's very common for people to question their skill set and their ability to do it because you're thinking about your ability to accomplish it or achieve it. And as soon as you start to wonder if you have the ability, you're going to start to question a lot of things. Yep. I can say that I've definitely been down that rabbit hole before, not just with athletics, but with work as well. And, you know, we talk about imposter syndrome all the time. And I know that imposter syndromes may be a little bit different than, than sports, uh, you know, performance pressure, but there are similarities in the sense that if you're constantly questioning your ability to succeed in any given situation, that's a form of imposter syndrome. It might be showing up in pressure situations specifically, which would indicate, okay, like there's definitely some performance anxiety in and around these specific events, whether that is for games, you know, getting into a boardroom meeting, any of those things, like clearly there are some similarities there. Mm -hmm. And I think now that we've, you know, kind of dug into what, performance pressure is at its core which is essentially just how athletes coaches whoever is perceiving those situations to be whether they are kind of greeting them as a challenge or if they're viewing them as a threat it's also important to discuss how is it that people can work on managing those feelings when they come up and Mm -hmm. for me at least the first thing is proper preparation and I actually talked with someone I think I was actually talking with a client the other day and I was explaining to to them the story around Michael Phelps when he won was like eight Olympic medals in uh in a season or whatever and when he was going for the final medal his goggles had filled up with water and he was swimming blind And for anybody else, that would have been a pretty high pressure situation. Let's be honest. (laughs) Like the thought of swimming for a, a, an Olympic medal on the international stage, like that's a lot of pressure in and of itself. There's a lot of eyes looking at you. Like there's a lot alone, let alone the Olympic medal. That's going to put him in the history books as the most decorated Olympian in a single games. Like, yeah, let's just add that tier two to yeah just the general (laughs) just to give you the full scope of what's really going on here all of the spice (laughs) and so then on top of that your goggles are filling up with water you can't see where you're going and for any athlete at that level you would think that that's going to cause a lot of anxiety a lot of people might have just stopped swimming altogether a lot of people would have started to struggle and they would have really tanked in their performance mm-hmm. however michael phelps did not do that instead he overcame that pressure 
and crushed the competition, brought home that eighth gold medal or medal in general. And the reason he did that was because he prepared for situations like that to happen. He and his coach trained together, said, okay, what could possibly come up that's going to derail your performance? And they trained those specific situations. So he actually practiced swimming and counting like the the lengths of the pool so he could know the number that he had to count to in order to get to the other side and back without actually seeing where he was going Mm -hmm. so I know that that's maybe a bit of a massive example like we're talking about an Olympic athlete in a very obscene uh scenario however that is a pressure situation and it can happen to anybody It really can. So the importance of preparing not just your body, but your mind to go out and and perform is absolutely critical if you are wanting to step out and play in that optimal performance level. Yeah. And proper preparation too can just be reminding yourself that you're, you're prepared and that you've done it before. And maybe that's where some good visualization comes in. If you're starting to notice those what if feelings creeping in or that you're worried about your ability to accomplish something or you're worried about the outcome, well, it's when have I done this in the past? I know I've done it in the past. So let's see it. And that's where tools like the highlight reel come in and your greatest hits list, right? Being able to see yourself do well in the past is a good um, avenue for giving yourself that added a little bit of confidence that you need to acknowledge that you are prepared because at this stage in the game if you're an elite level athlete you've been doing it for long enough you've seen pretty much every situation at this point you know you're prepared it's just the self-doubt that's creeping in trying to convince you that you're not Mm -hmm. absolutely and a lot of that comes back to you know working on strategically building your confidence right Reminding yourself, I've done this before, and then looking back at all the times you've done this before, that's a form of confidence building for those who are not aware. Um, But the second point I wanted to make is focusing on the process. And when I say that, I mean, when you're in the middle of a game and you feel those feelings of pressure, anxiety, of self-doubt starting to creep in, pulling it back for a second and reminding yourself again I'm the one putting pressure on myself. There is no pressure inherently, really. But then also looking at what is important now. And that's one of my favorite acronyms of all time. This is one that we used when I was in university. So we had like yearly mantras and the acronym we had was WIN. And that stood for what's important now. And that's really what I always came back to in those moments and asking myself mid-game, if I'm doing something that's not good for my performance okay what is important now what do i need to focus on right now in order to get towards that outcome so instead of focusing purely on we need to win we need to win i need to have this save percentage or i i can't let a goal in from this angle again like whatever it is pulling myself back and saying okay what's important now Mm -hmm. love that thanks it's 
the the process is such a vital um aspect of the game right because any game that you're playing is a process it's not a one and done thing you have multiple steps to it you need to be present through those steps in order to bring your best self into it uh (laughs) funny part is i was just looking at that acronym and i was like win oh that's kind of funny um we had said as a coaching staff we don't have to win and it's definitely not about winning you can have a great season and not win a lot of games if you're measuring things that are really important about the process mm-hmm. and even though it sounds really corny and a lot of athletes are probably going to listen to this and say yeah winning's kind of important i'm not telling you that winning isn't important i'm just saying it's not everything And if you're so focused on winning or the outcome that you forget to focus on the process, that is the problem because you're never going to play as well as you possibly could or play to your peak performance potential. If you're not focused on the process, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's, you could go ahead and give anybody a very simple task and tell them, okay, this is what you have to do to get this. But we have like putting that pressure on saying, but you have to have this. And if you don't, Mm -hmm. then you fail. Like everybody is going to be focusing on, okay, I have to, to complete this. And if I don't, then I'm not doing it right. And if I'm not doing it, then I'm not good enough. And then that's when that spiraling starts to happen. And so by focusing on the process, this is again, what is it that I have to do now? this helps you get to where that outcome is. And going back to your example with, with the athlete that you were working with saying, I felt that I was better able to perform when I decided to just let go, Mm -hmm. stopped caring about what the outcome was. And I started to enjoy the process and really embrace the moment. Yep. Yeah. And there's actually research out there that supports this. Um, Can't remember where it was done, but they brought in two different groups to solve some problem, whether it was a puzzle or a math problem, I can't remember anymore, but they brought in these two groups and the one group, they said, just solve, solve it. Uh, take your time. We just want to see how you do. And then the other group, they said, solve it in this amount of time and you get a prize or you get money or whatever it was. And the group that was just told to solve it on average did better. They solved it faster. And they enjoyed the process a lot more. Even then, the individuals who were able to solve it and got the prize at the end of it, right? But that group still finished faster than everybody in the incentivized group because everybody else started to worry about getting the money and what would happen if they didn't get the money. And their performance on the test itself decreased. And they enjoyed it a lot less because they were super stressed. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Okay, that's interesting, actually. I'd like to maybe find out where that study is from. Yeah, that's in my memory banks from like Psych 101 in undergrad. So good luck to finding that peel one. Peel back the layers on that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and, and you're right. And that really does lead us into at least for me, maybe you have something else to add on, but for me, the, the final way to really work on or step rather to work on managing 
performance pressure is to trust yourself. And that's probably the hardest part for a lot of folks who haven't been able to conquer steps one and two, you know, properly prepare and work on focusing on the process. Um, but ultimately letting go of the outcome and needing to have that outcome is really going to help increase your performance. And I think the, the study that you just discussed really obviously proves that to be true. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, making sure that we are again, reminding ourselves, like we've done this a hundred thousands of times before we've been successful hundreds, thousands of times before. Mm Mm-hmm. It's no different. And yep. and for me, I would often tell myself, like, it's just another game. Whether it's yeah. playoff championship, doesn't matter. It's just another it's game. Just another game. Literally nothing about the game changes. The rules don't change. The the sheet of ice that you're playing on doesn't change. The only thing that changes is the outcome. Mm-hmm. And that's getting a trophy at the end of it or having your season end at the end of it. The game stays the same. It's just another game. Obviously, I'm very passionate about this. I got into a debate with it or with my coaches about it. I was like, it's just another game. Nothing has changed. <laughs> well, maybe when they listen to this episode, they will understand that it's just <laughs> another game. <laughs> no, they get it. They get it. But I just uh, very passionate about it. And as an athlete, I would have argued on the other side of this. No, it's not just another game because it's so much more important it's like but why is it so much more important lauren mm-hmm. oh because at the end of it we might get a cool trophy <laughs> and then my yeah. parents will finally be really really proud of me spoiler alert they were really really proud of me when i was in the stands half the season so <laughs> no you're, and you're Stupid. absolutely right and that actually it, it reminds me of uh i think it was in my was it my third or fourth year? I don't know. We were playing against St. Mary's and we were going into the third game of championships. So this is like do or die on the line. We were going to win or we're going to lose. And I remember our coach came in and his pregame speech was so fucking shitty. Like it wasn't even a speech. Like it was just like, all right, let's go play. And like, that was it. Like normally he's like the kind of coach who like gives us this like absolutely like ridiculous story beforehand. Like he's, he's had a few, I think I've probably actually mentioned a couple before, but like he's one was, you know, a frog that was like stuck in a bucket of milk and he couldn't get out, but he just kept trying and kept trying, kept trying. And because he was jumping, he was like churning it into butter at the same time. <laughs> and so eventually it was like butter and he could get anyway, it was like ridiculous stories like this, right? Like funny lighthearted, but they prove a point and and it kind of inspires you in a weird way to go out and like have a good game and and I don't think that coaches should have so much pressure on themselves to to motivate the team all the time I think that a lot of it does need to be internal but the fact that he changed up his approach to it shifted the vibe in the change room and made a lot of players believe that he didn't think that we were going to win the game. Yeah. So I know that we're like trying to wrap up, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as a coach now. Well, I was going to say there's something to be said for consistency. And that's something that we talked about all year in terms of, you know, from the beginning of it, asking 
each other, what our coaching philosophies were, how we liked to give feedback, how much we like to interact with players on the bench. Do you like to joke around with them? Do you like to be really serious? Like you need one of everyone to, to really make things work. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and the one thing that we kind of settled on was whatever you want to do, as long as it's respectful and productive, do it, but be consistent. Mm -hmm. And I think we were able to accomplish that. I mean, I have to ask the girls, but (laughs) it's, yeah, just be consistent, right? Because a lot of other things come from consistency. If you do the same routine consistently, that gives you confidence. It helps you feel prepared. You can fall back on a consistent routine if you feel nervous, right? So Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, those are my thoughts. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) I know I went off on a a tangent that was unrelated to how we (laughs) manage our performance pressure. Um, But did you have any closing remarks as we round out the almost hour here? The game you're playing doesn't change. That's all I'm going to say. The only thing that changes is the way that you're looking at it. Mic drop. Boom. Nothing else to add. I think this was a really great episode, actually, and a very apt time to be having this conversation as a lot of teams head into playoffs or are already in playoffs as well. So NCAA Women's Frozen Four is this weekend coming up. So I wish I could watch. Uh, Europe problems. The worst. (laughs) But I do get to watch our own playoffs, so I guess it's it's all right. Um, but on that note, um, thank you everybody for tuning in and listening to us rants for another week. Happy to be back in our virtual studio together with Warren. And for those of you who find this episode or our podcast in general to be of value, please go ahead and leave us a rating and review on Apple podcasts, or go ahead and leave us a rating on spotify and if you are not a premium subscriber to our podcast yet go ahead and do that we've already talked about all the benefits so you're going to get on the other side of that getting those in-depth discussions kind of similar to the layout that we have today i think Uh, we went a little bit more in depth than we normally do usually it's a much more off-the-cuff conversation so um more in-depth conversations every month and Q&As as well and also getting 10% off of your single session of coaching with either Lauren or myself. So thank you all again and we will